On this week's episode, we sit down with the Case family from Idaho here in the United States. But first, we share a recap on the Rocky Mountain Rat Association's 10-year and Mardi Gras celebration fundraiser that we attended. Hope you guys are having a stellar Monday. Let's get started with the show. Welcome back to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah, and we're the parents of Zoe, a child with Rett Syndrome. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm tired. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> I don't know why you're not tired. We've had a bug rip through the family, and I only had to put up with them for one day. I don't know how you do it, because <laughs> this all started... Uh, over a week ago. Yeah. So kudos to you on uh, putting up with this crap for so long. Well, thanks for letting me have a day off. Yeah, I was happy to babysit. You don't babysit. You're a dad. <laughs> it's called parenting. Tomato, tomato. Uh, no, very different. All right. Well, let's jump right into... <laughs> Our segment for the episode. Uh, we were able to attend. Uh, it's been two weekends now. Yep. Two weekends ago, we were able to attend a special fundraiser event for the Rocky Mountain Red Association. And we wanted to tell you a little bit about our experience there. Yeah. I thought it was a ton of fun. Let's just begin with that. It was fun. I thought it was a ton of fun. Also, I think it's the first time that I've gotten dressed up for anything in like... Two years? Three years? Well, it would have been at least two years because last time I remember you and I getting dressed up for something was something for work. And it would have been in January or February of 2020. Yeah. And. It's been a while. Yeah. I, you guys, I went all out. I bought like face jewels. (laughs) I think is what they're called. They stick to your forehead and like. Well, the ones that I got stick to your forehead and like right below your eyes mm-hmm. to make kind of like a, a faux mask sort of thing. And I actually wore makeup, which you guys obviously don't know this because it's podcast. I don't wear makeup. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um. Our cosmetics bill is very low in this household. Yes, extremely <laughs> I feel bad for Zoe when it comes to that because I don't, I'm not, I don't do like hair, fancy hair stuff. I don't do the makeup. She doesn't need it because she's so adorable. I know. And her hair just, it it can stand alone. It's true. It's so just, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Not, not that I'm saying I have anything against those stuff. I'm saying for Zoe. It's, it's a good thing she's got ants. Because they're going to have to be the ones that uh, show her what is possible. Because <laughs> it's not going to be me. <laughs> well, bringing it back. Yeah, sorry. Coming back. Coming back. We got <laughs> to get back. dressed up and real fancy. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, It was very different because it's been a very long time since we've done that. Uh, we showed up early to assist with setting up for the event. 
and uh, I was responsible for doing the stream that they had set up for the event, and so I did get all my stuff set up there for that, which was a whole other thing. That was a lot. A lot of stuff that I brought with me, but I think it worked out well in it the did. end, and I think we had a lot of fun with that, so... So that was good. That was a good time. Uh, food. That was really good as well. Food was great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Food was great. The turnout was super impressive. Oh, yeah. Just it was awesome. Based off of the conversations that I had had with some of the committee members for the event, it sounded like it. they weren't expecting it to be well attended. And it we was had full. to We had to put out more tables yeah. um, after people started arriving because... The turnout was really good. Yeah. So that was awesome. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. definitely kind of, kind of a surprise. But that's a good surprise to have. And so entertainment, that was a lot of fun too. So um, they had a, they had like a burlesque show. I think it was the, called, uh, it's officially called a cabaret show. Oh, yes. I think that's yes. what they were. It was a cabaret, cabaret show. Troupe. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like. So they had, they had like a 30-minute segment at the beginning and then like a 30-minute segment at the end. Mm -hmm. um, the, the rhinettes, mm -hmm. like rhinestones. Mm -hmm. um, they did phenomenal. I thought they were great. Um, the MC that they had, oh my gosh. She just had me, she had all my attention <laughs> the whole time. She did really great. She was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I was very, very impressed with her. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, the event went really well. I was very impressed with it. It was really fun to participate in. And if you didn't get a chance to participate in this event this year, it's something that's happening uh, every late winter. And so definitely something to look out for. Put it on your calendar, reminder in your phone for yep. December, January to check on it and see what's going to be available. So... Can we just talk about the speakers for a oh, minute? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Okay. So you guys, they had Dr. Ellen Percy and Jane Lane. Those of you who are not, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you don't know. If you don't know. <laughs> if you don't know. <laughs> these are very important people uh, when it comes to Rett syndrome. In the Red Syndrome community. So our previous episode, Sam actually got to... Bonus episode. Bonus episode, sorry. Our last bonus episode, Sam actually got to interview Dr. Percy. Great, great human being. He's been in the Red Syndrome world for 40, almost 40 years. Um, so just about from the, the beginning of This is Red Syndrome... <laughs> Mm -hmm. Till now, um, he helped Dr. Benke start the RET clinic, get it up and running. Where? Start the RET clinic. Start, oh, sorry. Yeah, start the RET clinic in Denver. Because he and Jane Lane started mm -hmm. a RET clinic in, um, in Alabama. Yes. And so that was the first RET clinic from what I remember. That was the first one that was ever established in the country. And... Uh, that's still going to this day yep. and they're still involved with it. Uh, Dr. Percy and um, Jane Lane, who 
She's a registered nurse from what I remember from her bio. So they are very much involved in the Rett syndrome community now, and they were definitely pioneers in making sure that care and access to care was made available. Yes. Yeah. So if you didn't get a chance to join in person or virtually, you can check out the bonus episode Mm -hmm. and get a little bit more familiar with who Dr. Percy was. Mm -hmm. Is, not was. He's still alive. Is. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I'm going to stop talking now. Yeah. 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 That that sounds good. (laughs) No, it was, it was very good. And a lot of things that Dr. Percy talked about in his presentation at the fundraiser event were things that he and I discussed on that bonus episode. So you can definitely get a taste of what his presentation was like by going back and listening to that episode. Uh, I think that's everything regarding the event itself. Uh, you, Anybody who was participating virtually wouldn't have known this, but it snowed, uh, dumped about a foot yeah. almost of snow in the time that we were doing the event so when we were getting all backed up to leave i looked out the back window and was like oh no (laughs) oh no (laughs) because i i didn't look outside at all and there was this window behind me the whole time but see and i knew it was snowing but i didn't know i didn't know it was snowing it was snowing yeah i had no idea i was clueless and so that was oh that was a that was a trip home yeah you slept. I Don't did. say yeah. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drove it. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, as soon as I got in the freeway there in Denver, it was like it was like a mud derby. You know? It was like, everybody just pick a lane. Yeah. Well no, not even a lane, just pick a space. Like you you establish <laughs> dominance in your area and you go. Like you could not see anything. I imagine there had to be an inch, inch and a half of, of slush. Uh, that was just matted down on that. So that made for a fun, fun drive home. But really the event was a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, I, I hope you enjoyed my, my suit. If you did not see my suit, I will post a picture of it on Instagram. So you can, epic. yeah, I'll put it, I'll put it in our stories so you can take a look at it and enjoy it. It was a, it was a lot of fun to wear. I don't know when I'm ever going to be able to wear it again. To the next, (laughs) next year's Mardi Gras event. Okay, but I feel like I'm going to have to one-up it. Well, maybe you can add like a feather boa next time or something. (laughs) Okay, okay. You don't want me to just get Get another one? No, I don't want you to get another one every year. No, thank you. Why's that? Because you only wear it once. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do we want to talk about your suit versus my dress? Jar. I got at a thrift store. Yeah. And then I dyed it myself because it wasn't the right color. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell about yours. Well, that was it. Oh, that That's there wasn't the anything thing. else you wanted to say about it? And it was beautiful and purple. It looked really good. It did. It, it did a really good job at dyeing it. So And I will uh, probably only ever wear it to this one event. <laughs> probably. Because we don't have any other reason to get dressed up for other things. I know. So maybe we should do like a movie night or something. Like a fancy formal movie night. No, Here at that's home? not fun. Never mind. Here at home? Yeah, that's no, what I was going to do. No. <laughs> no, what? No. Oh, my god. We can put candles out. No. 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 Is it, no. Okay. I want to be able to wear sweats and kick my shoes off and get wrapped up in a blanket and spill popcorn all over myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You have fun with that. Oh, I will. Okay. I will. 
Welcome back, everybody. And we are excited to have on the show today a couple of friends that Sarah was able to make while she was at the RET Clinic in yep. uh, in Colorado, in Denver, Aurora area specifically. We are excited to have on the show today Megan and Drew Case, who come to us from Idaho. So welcome to the show, you guys. Hi, guys. Thanks Thanks. for the invite. We're happy to be with you. Absolutely. It's always great. Meet new families. Yes. And uh, especially families that are closer than some of the ones we've been speaking to as of late. Sure. And I got to meet them in person. Yes, that is true. That is true. That happens even less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) So that's why I'm even more excited. Most certainly. Well, Megan and Drew are the parents of Emma, and Emma has Rett syndrome, uh, but that's not the defining factor about Emma. That's not the defining factor about their family. That is the commonality that brings us together, and we were really excited to get to know the cases and uh, make some new friends. To get started with, Megan and Drew, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your family? Sure, thanks. We, uh, like you said, we live in Idaho. Drew and I grew up here and have been living outside of Boise now for about 15 years. Um, We are parents of three mostly um, fun to be around little kids. (laughs) We understand that. Right? Um, Our oldest just turned 11 yesterday. We've got an eight-year-old, both boys. And then Emma was our surprise caboose to our family uh, about five and a half years ago. And we, we just love living here and getting to experience all the fun things that Idaho has to offer to our family. And we've got family here and great friends and we just love, love being here. I imagine being in, uh, the such close proximity to family is probably a really great support to not, not just generally as a family, but of course, having Emma as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We've got grandparents here in town and um, an auntie and, and more grandparents along the highway. And it makes it easy to to share the load that we have with having three kids, but then with having an extra needs kiddo and having, you know, folks here to rally around us and and be part of the journey and the ups and downs and good and bad. And it certainly makes, um, you know, it reminds us that in a lonely time, we're, we're definitely not alone in all of this. Yeah, most definitely. That's certainly one of the things that we have been running into. One of the struggles we run into being in Colorado, all of our family being back in Utah. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's difficult. It's difficult at times. So that's, mm-hmm. that's really great. You guys are able to have mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. support system. Well, why don't we just jump right into talking a little bit about Emma. Would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your diagnosis story? Sure. So we we received Emma's diagnosis just after her second birthday. It was September of 2018. And I think our stories would sound really similar to a lot of families out there. We noticed she wasn't hitting the milestones that her siblings had hit, but we kind of chalked it up to her being the baby of the family. And, you know, she she had people to bring her her toys and to speak for her and to bring her snacks. And, you know, we weren't first time parents, so we weren't incredibly worried, but Mm -hmm. 
the weeks turned into months and then it was a year and a half and she wasn't crawling and she started doing this weird thing with her hands and we did the one thing that, you know, you're not supposed to do as parents. And we Googled, um, her, her symptoms. And that was the first time we had heard anything about Rett syndrome. Um, and that was when we kind of started pursuing, um, help from a geneticist and, um, a local neurologist. And that's when, you know, we did all the tests and found out that, that indeed Dr. Google was right. And we, we, you know, we're looking at a diagnosis of Rett syndrome. Yeah. I, I think we, we kind of knew, yeah, doing mm-hmm. that, the searches kind of, that it was one of a few things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of bracing for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you guys are the first family that we've met where you found Rett syndrome before mm-hmm. it was presented mm-hmm. to you yeah. by a professional. Mm. it put us it put us in a a particular spot here that worked to our advantage because we were able to go to the neurologist and say listen this is what we think it is this is what we want to pursue testing for and at that time um the wait to see the one pediatric geneticist in the state of idaho was about 12 months long so we were gonna have to wait almost a year to even have this blood test done and to our wonderful amazement our neurologist said well the geneticist's office is right down the hallway let me just go ask her what blood tests I need to order and he came back with the kit and sent us downstairs to the lab that's awesome we did the blood testing within a month we got the phone call back um and so that year wait was you know 10 minutes to make something happen. And we count our stars every day that we didn't have to wait like most families do to, to get a diagnosis and to start, you know, getting services from there. That's incredible. Yeah. We, we were expecting to wait about the same amount of time, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Ours was a little bit longer. Yeah. So the only reason why we got in as quick and I put quotations about around that as quick as we did was because, somebody uh, dropped out of appointment sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. so we hopped on it. So, wow, that is amazing. That is amazing. Kudos to the mm -hmm. neurologist that was just like, Hey, I'll just check really quick. Like that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and neurologist kind of, it sounded like had, you know, agreed with us with, yeah, I think it may be one of these two things, but Prior to that, we hadn't heard that from really anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our pediatrician didn't know what was causing the delay. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, we we fell fell into luck that day. Mm-hmm. Well, I you do also make me feel a little bit better about myself because I was in denial about our situation, and we were mm-hmm. first time parents mm-hmm. with Zoe. Mm-hmm. Sarah was right. was concerned about it, obviously, rightly so. So you guys, being experienced parents, having that same reaction, mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel like an idiot. <laughs> 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 I, I was chalking it up to be Zoe being Zoe, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. being who she who she was. Uh, you mm-hmm. don't you don't think that your child's going to be any different than right. they are. And mm-hmm. that's just is, it is who they right. are. They are who they are. I'm, I'm struggling with English right now, but well, I think, I think we got to live in bliss 
a little longer um, because we just got to sit and enjoy who she was, who we thought she would be a little longer um, and just loved her for who she was until we knew that we had to love her differently. So maybe a, a, a twisted blessing in the end. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Well, so you guys receive your diagnosis. What happened after, after that? Where did you go? Oh, that was a, that was a whirlwind of a few emotional months as we tried to become experts in the field because no one else here was. Um, one of the, the downfalls to living where we do is there is a very small rep population. And so there, there was no help. There wasn't anybody to talk to. There wasn't anyone in the room who knew more than us about rep syndrome and researching it, um, as parents of a newly diagnosed child is horribly overwhelming. And, you know, we had to, to try to reach out to folks who maybe could answer some questions for us and tell us what our new life for our family and for our daughter would look like. And in the end, or I guess in the beginning, we decided that I needed to leave my career and come home to be a full-time caregiver and stay at home parent. And that afforded me the opportunities to kind of be in charge of Emma's schedule and all her beginning therapies and initial services. And, um, we just kind of, you know, more time with, with Google and with, um, the international Rett foundation and the Rett syndrome research trust, and just trying to be, a, you know, the most educated parents and caregivers that, that we could be. Yeah. Well, that was a huge life change then <laughs> for you to, to step was, away from it, your career and, and not only for you, mm-hmm. Megan, but I'm sure for the entire family, that was a very different paradigm to be moving into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, we, you know, our boys had known mom and dad as having, you know, jobs that they went to every day. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all the kids went to mm-hmm. daycare you know, after school, stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, kind of a shift to no more daycare. Right, right. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just being, you know, it was a full-time, it was a full-time job. I went from having no responsibilities with my children during the day to um, providing care for three children and snacks for three children and outings for three children and then all of the cares that Emma needed, it was a, it was a big life change. And I'm grateful that we were able to, to make that change and not have to, you know, struggle to find a daycare that could care for Emma safely and, but that she could be home with me and, and with her brothers. And, and now I can say I'm grateful for that. It was all very overwhelming to begin with, but now I wouldn't change any of it. Yeah. Yeah, going into it, you don't know what the reaction is going to be. You don't know how everybody's going to handle it. And that I right. imagine that was incredibly daunting. Uh, I'm glad it's it's worked out for you guys. And it sounds like it's mm-hmm. in it. You're, you. you're in a very good situation. Uh, the family, everybody's adjusted well to it. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we all mm-hmm. do is, as rep families is we just kind of 
accept what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We adapt, Mm -hmm. we adjust and and we move forward. I feel like there's, there's not really anything else you can do. (laughs) Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's just what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Well, I mean, you could whine. Yeah, but you're well, still going to adapt, even if you're whining. I don't know. Are you? I don't know. I've seen some people. I've seen some people, and they're still whining to this day. You haven't made any changes. Mm. I think we, we talk about, um, you know, grieving the life that we thought Emma would have and the life we thought our family would have. And I think, you know, the the flexibility or you know the the changing of things and the grieving I think that's going to be a lifelong process for the rest of our lives and the rest of Emma's is we will continue to adapt but to grieve the the change of expectation that we've had and I think that has been maybe the biggest piece for me is what I'd hoped for for her is going to be different and look different and feel different than what I thought it would be And I think as long as we're adapting to what the new exciting life is, um, all the emotions that come are, are allowed and okay. And, you know, as long as we just kind of keep trudging forward. Yeah. Um, I, I I didn't think much about how Rett syndrome was going to change me mm -hmm. uh, and what I do. And I don't know about you, Sarah, at the time, I, I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking about how it directly impacted Zoe. And so I didn't think about, oh, hey, we're actually probably going to need to look at buying a new vehicle where we can have adaptive equipment in the vehicle to to help her out or bringing along adaptive equipment to go to the zoo or to the store or whatever else. I didn't think about any of those things of how that would I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I mean, I thought about it, but that's because I'm the one who's typically at home taking care of her. So, you know, that's what you were thinking about when on the day of the diagnosis, Well, not on the day of the diagnosis, but on the day of the diagnosis, I knew that most likely I would be the one that would stay home because I had the most flexible schedule at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I knew all of those things were going to be my responsibility I mean, not that not that at the time we were doing a ton of adaptive things because she was still really little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we didn't need adaptive things or as many adaptive things at that point. But but I still like, you know, in my mind, I still knew whatever the changes be, most likely it's going to impact me more because I'm the one who's going to have to remember Right. Mm-hmm. To take those mm-hmm. things and to do the things right. Right. and all of that. Yeah. Leaving the house now looks very different than it did five years ago. Or, you know, leaving the house just with Emma versus going to do something with her brothers. It's I was it's a completely different setup. I was I was gonna ask about that. It is it I'm, I'm guilty of this where I am needing to run to the store for a little bit. And I like to do something that my parents used to do when I was growing up, which is, you know, just take one of the kids along with. It's a short little right. trip, 10 to 30 mm-hmm. minutes. I, I have to remind myself I need to include Zoe in this, even though it's going to be mm. more of a challenge for me 
mm-hmm. needs to be included mm-hmm. in that. So d- does that cross your guys' mind as well? You know, it did. It does. Um, at this point, you know, where, where I'm home with Emma and Drew is working from home, there are times when it is easiest to leave her here with him and, and go run the quick errand. And it's easier if I want to take a child to take one of her typical brothers. Mm-hmm. We do make it a point to include her, whether it's, um, you know, hey, we just need to run into Target real quick um, or, you know, run into the grocery store for this or make sure she gets quality time with a parent. But... We also know that, you know, in the same situation scenario that you just mentioned growing up with your family, your parents decided to not include all the kids. There was time for each child to have quality time with the parents. And we tried to do that. We've done that since before Emma was born by spending quality time with our boys individually, taking them out on dates, just one-on-one. And so now particularly we recognize that Emma takes a lot of our time, whether it's, um, you know, during the day or in outings or at therapies. And a lot of the time our boys get left behind for that. So while we strive to include Emma, we also make the conscious decision to equally spend that time with her brothers. Mm -hmm. And even this last year, we left Emma with a sitter overnight and we took our boys on a little um, staycation adventure so that they got to experience quality time with mom and dad, knowing that they are still priorities for us mm-hmm. and that we still want to give them the adventures and the opportunities that aren't as easily afforded when when sister comes along. Sam is thinking. He's got his thinking face on. (laughs) This is more of a ponder. A ponder. Oh, my bad. Yeah. I mixed up the thinking and the pondering. Yeah. 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 Ponder is is me just sitting by a lake, not really just letting all the thoughts sit. You know, (laughs) it's a stew sort of situation. Um, Yeah. But pondering isn't good for a podcast, so we're gonna we're gonna move on. But going in that same uh, uh, topic, you had mentioned Megan that you you have realized that Emma's life isn't the way that you initially imagined it would be after mm-hmm. you had received mm-hmm. the diagnosis. What was it that you guys were expecting her life to be like with Rett syndrome, and how has that changed? I think what I had hoped for was a happy, successful relationship between me and my daughter that would be expressed by going out on mother-daughter trips and spending time together working on projects and helping her buy a prom dress someday and a wedding dress later after that and see her grow into a woman who had a family of her own and initially my feelings were that that was all lost mm-hmm. and that she would be, you know, she wouldn't be able to do any of those things and I wouldn't be able to do any of those things and that our experiences would all 
revolve around her health and her doctor's appointments and that it'd be too hard to ever go on a trip or, you know, too many accommodations would have to be made to make it safe and fun for her. And so that was really, that was really heartbreaking to think that I wouldn't have those experiences with her. But now, um, you know, that we've gotten into this a few years now, I am finding how much I can do with her. And yes, it all looks different. And some of those bigger things are unfortunately lost. You know, we, we don't anticipate her, you know, buying a wedding dress or, or, you know, successfully living on her own at some point. But, um, you know, she participates in a dance class and I get to go and sit and watch her and be a dance mom, like every other mom there. And I get to take her, um, you know, running errands with me and we literally stop and smell the flowers as we're walking through the grocery store and she loves it. And so how we spend time together looks different than my original hopes, but I, I just adore spending time with her still. And I'm grateful for the times I just get to be her mom when we're out having adventures and I don't have to worry about being her caregiver, but just having fun with her and, and being with who she, who she is. Drew, what about you? Awesome. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, the, you know, we had kind of been waiting, I guess, for a girl, you know, we had two boys already so we were definitely hoping for a girl when she was born so i think that yeah kind of factored into what i had seen or you know what i thought you know she'd be doing so kind of just some of the stuff megan talked about there with you know wedding and you know walking her down the aisle just all those things as a dad you kind of think about um but you know, Emma now is still, you know, a daddy's girl kind of mm, thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll cuddle mm-hmm. on the couch. We'll very, mm-hmm. yeah, very. Yeah, constantly. he's still very much wrapped around <laughs> <laughs> yeah. around her constantly moving fingers. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's mm-hmm, he's a sucker for her. Don't don't think anything different. <laughs> so yeah, so I think I still, yeah feel some of those, you know, or get some of those experiences that, you know, dads talk about mm-hmm. with their daughters. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm hoping to do more of those things, you know, a dad, yeah. daughter dance or mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely still excited to do with her. Most definitely. Hey, I had, we had the the pleasure to be able to talk with Dr. Alan Percy recently. And mm-hmm. one of the things that he really emphasized was that the the understanding regarding individuals who have Rett syndrome has grown so much over the past 30 years, mainly with understanding cognition, which we still mm-hmm. have a ways to go on understanding that. But what he said is initially the, the understanding was that they would get to about 25 and that was it. There, there was mm-hmm. no quality of life. Very few lived beyond 25. That was it. And obviously through the course of 
understanding more about what Rett syndrome is, identifying the, the, the genome that was mutating and so on and so forth, the community expanding. I, I think one of the greatest things about living right now with Rett syndrome is there's such a great community of people showing what can happen, even though it may not work for everyone because everybody's situation is different. It doesn't mean it's not possible. You can still give it a try and maybe it gives you an idea to try something else. Uh, I mean, we recently saw uh, somebody who, who was doing skiing and that's not something mm-hmm. I ever would mm-hmm. have thought of right. for Zoe doing. Maybe it works for her. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe she just doesn't like it. Who knows? Right. That's true. Uh, but having this community now gives me a better understanding of what's out there with the possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. The possibilities. And I have, I have constantly said through our whole experience with the special needs child that the greatest resource we have had along this way has been other special needs parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Doctors, you know, only know so much about the programs that are offered in their community and the services and who you can call, but you talk to another special needs parent who has been in that trench and who has made every phone call and who has found the best therapists and the best providers and has ordered all the fun therapeutic instruments that you could possibly ever want in your house. And you, that's where, that's where your resource and that spirit of community is really going to get you, get you moving in the right direction. And have access to all these ideas that you never would have considered or thought of for your own child. Um, but this, this community and access to it via social media and clinics and, you know, podcasts and FaceTimes and text threads that allow us to share the successes and, and the trials, um, of Rett syndrome and, man, that's, that has probably been the greatest gift in all of this is the, the group of people that we have come to learn so much from. Yeah, most definitely. Cause it's, it's hard for a specialist, a doctor, a therapist or whatnot to understand those day-to-day mm-hmm. things that need mm-hmm. to be addressed. That's hard exactly. to understand it unless you're there. And mm-hmm. like I mentioned, the whole skiing thing, certainly not something I ever would have thought of for Zoe, but now right. mm-hmm. it's a possibility uh, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. she actually likes it or wants to do it. That's a whole different yeah. story, but right. having access, I, I think that's a- absolutely one of the greatest things. It's also mm-hmm. been just generally great to have community. Yes. Having people to be able to say, oh my gosh, this is what we're struggling with. And that's what we're struggling with. And people who can actually emphasize, what's the word, Mm -hmm. Sarah? Now I can't say it. Now you can't say it. Yeah, you were giving me a look. Uh Empathize. Empathize. Thank you, Megan. You did not give me a look, and therefore you could say the word. (laughs) 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 You gave me such a stink eye on that, Sarah. I didn't mean to give You've been misreading my looks all night. No, not on that one. That one was very clear. (laughs) But there is a difference between 
uh, a neighbor who you are good friends with saying, mm-hmm. oh man, that sucks. Mm-hmm. And right. somebody else who has a child with special needs, uh, even better, 100%. somebody mm-hmm. who has yeah. the same diagnosis. Uh, that's, yep. it, it, it's just something. There's automatically an understanding. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. just say, you know, my child has the same thing as yours. And it doesn't matter you know, where they fall on that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's an understanding that you both right. share automatically. Yes, agreed completely. So you shared that uh, Emma dances. And she does. How, mm-hmm. how, how is that working out? It's sounding like it's a, it's a class program. Is that, is it's, that what it it's is? It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful experience. I, Emma loves to, to bop back and forth to music. And I reached out to the Facebook world uh, a couple years ago and I just asked if there was, you know, any dance class that would allow her to just come and sit and watch kind of deal. And we got message after message after message that we should enroll her in the local Darby's Dancers chapter. And Darby's Dancers is, uh, was originally founded out of Alabama, and it was a little girl who had Down syndrome whose parents wanted to get her into dance classes, and there just weren't any that really would support her level of needs. And so they started an adaptive dance class, and it has since turned into a 501c3 nonprofit, nonprofit organization, and they have local chapters throughout the nation at local dance studios. And they invite kiddos with any kind of mental, physical um, disability to come in for free to dance with teachers and older typical ballerina dancers to participate in a dance class once a week. And then they have recitals a couple times a year. And so Emma didn't show up to sit and watch. She shows up every day or every Saturday and she gets to dance with other kiddos who who have their own struggles but she we pull into that parking lot and she knows exactly where we are and she starts yelling at us to get her out of the car and we just (laughs) take her in in her wheelchair and drew or i sit out in the the waiting area and they take her in and they push her around and they help her raise her arms and point her toes and she gets frilly little ballerina costumes and it is just it is the most wonderfully heartwarming experience to see her participate in that i've never heard of this before sarah did you know about this um not darby's dancers specifically but adaptive dance classes yes well, I did I, know about this. I knew about adaptive dance classes. Oh, I had well. never heard of of Darby's dancers. That is absolutely yeah, incredible. It's a, it's a great opportunity for you know kiddos to show up and have a chance to do something, and for parents to to get their kids enrolled in something they may love. And the gift that is not having to pay for dance lessons or recital mm-hmm. costumes is you know great. We're grateful for that. But man, she loves it so much. We would make sure it happened no matter what. Um, but yeah, for anybody who's got a kiddo who, and boys, girls, they've got a a littles group and a bigs group. So, you know, if your kiddo is shy and doesn't want to leave mom's hand or just wants to sit and watch the first few times or is so excited and just, you know, runs around the whole time or needs to come with their ear earbuds so that they're not, you know, things aren't so loud. 
they really are just very supportive of any ability and level of interest that walks or rolls in through that door. That's, that's very impressive. Well, now I have something to look into after there a conversation. You go. There's here. your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. And uh, we will certainly leave a link to this in the uh, show notes of this episode so people can go check them out as well. Great. Additional Space. resources for everybody is always good. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the other things that Emma likes to do? You had mentioned that she enjoys uh, smelling the flowers when you guys uh, go out shopping. What are some of the other things she likes to do? You know, anything with water. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's a fish uh, when we get her outside and into the pool, which we're lucky enough to have in our, our neighborhood development. Um, yeah. She even just likes sitting in mm-hmm. you know, a kiddie pool mm-hmm. out in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything water. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's always the same way. Yeah. Put her in a bathtub and well, she'll, mm-hmm. she'll conk out. <laughs> she just relaxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's mm-hmm. one of the only times she can just ah, let, let it go. All go. Yeah. 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 It's great. Mm-hmm. Same girl. Same. Yeah. Uh-huh. She definitely does that. I think more than anything, Emma just wants to be included. She doesn't want to be left out. So whether it's, you know, if dad starts wrestling with big brothers, she wants in on that. Yeah. Um, she wants to, to rough house and play around. She loves when folks just stop and talk with her and say hi and kind of get down on her level. And she's very expressive with her face. And mm-hmm. so everybody just wants to come up and see her smile. And so the more that she can be out and social and be with her friends she's got besties at school she's in kindergarten and so she's got friends that take turns pushing her on the blacktop at recess and she just wants to be be in the middle of it all and, and experience everything that that she can do out there and really she likes uh when girls come over mm-hmm. she has a lot of boys that come. we've got a lot of boys around here so yeah hanging out with girls come to the house. Mm-hmm. So, yeah any any young girl who so just grabs up. grab Zoe tomorrow, come on up to Idaho, <laughs> and, and we'll have a girl play date. Sorry, Sam. Sorry, sure. that's fine. That's a fine. It's a short little trip, hop, hop skip, and a jump, right? Jaunt. Yep, yeah. just a jaunt. We'll we'll be right there. Well, so so what what do Emma's brothers think about the situation? How do they handle that? Because your guys' family situation is is the inverse of of ours. Yeah. Zoe came first mm-hmm. and then we have two little mm-hmm. boys that followed uh, mm-hmm. in tow. Mm-hmm. So you had two sons before Emma came along and not yeah. only is introducing a new member of family a big deal, but receiving a diagnosis when uh, she's uh, about two and a half. Is that, is that when you said mm-hmm. she received mm-hmm. it? That, right. that had to have also kind of upended what they were imagining sister to be like, or was it even a big deal for them? Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I think it, at first they knew, you know, knew that it was a big thing just from how we were reacting to it and feeling about it. But I'd say very quickly, they, they were kind of on board, ready to, you know, help her however they could. Um, you know, they tell people mm-hmm. about her diagnosis all the time, strangers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, on the street kind of thing. Um, and they're really well versed in it. So, mm-hmm. you know, they'll say, 
you know, my sister does, you know, has this condition. She, you know, does things this way, but she still, you know, does all these things. So Mm -hmm. I think they're very good big brothers and take that role pretty, pretty Mm -hmm. seriously. Mm -hmm. Watching over. Yeah. Yeah, Well, it also sounds like they're incredible ambassadors being that they're not afraid to talk Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. it either. Not that they Mm -hmm. necessarily need to go out preaching the word to every uh, Joe Mm -hmm. and Jane Mm -hmm. in in the grocery store. But if, if somebody, you know, gives an odd look at the situation when Emma gets excited, uh, being able to speak up, that's a hard thing to do for a young person. It's a hard Mm -hmm. thing to do for an old person. Right. I'm not that old. No, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Anyways, you were saying, Megan? The opportunities it's presented for our boys to become incredibly compassionate and empathetic neighbors and friends. Mm -hmm. Um, We we actually have five special needs kiddos in our little neighborhood and we see them out and about at school and at the park and taking walks around the block and coming across a special needs kiddo who has their own special noises and movements can be really intimidating to a lot of folks, whether you're a child or a child at heart and being Emma's, you know, ambassadors and big brothers, they really take it in stride to just be inclusive all the time and to not be scared in that situation. And it's, it's been a lesson that we never could have taught them without, without Emma. And Mm -hmm. they really just are her biggest protectors and they just step right in. If she's done watching her movie and starts, you know, yelling at us for something new, they'll come over and they'll change it. And they know that she needs help with her snack and they know that she needs help reaching for something. And they just, they just jump into action and we're, we're pretty stinking proud of them for it. Are they, are they drawn to individuals who have uh, special needs? You know, I think they, they don't, I think they just see it as a regular old situation because for them it is. So I feel, you know, when we say drawn to, that's kind of like, you know, do they seek it out? I don't think they seek it out. I think they just know that it it exists in their world. Mm -hmm. And so, um, where others may not think to go up and say hi to somebody with special needs. They just, they just do because they don't know the difference. Yeah. And, and yeah. And I think that that's kind of what I was getting at it because like you mentioned, the majority of people, myself included before Zoe came along, I would have tried to shy away from those situations. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. not that I necessarily go out of my way to have conversations with, with individuals or caregivers, but I don't have an issue. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you nervous. And I don't even think I was nervous. I just didn't want to deal with it. I think that's Mm -hmm. what was going through my brain. Whereas now when I have those interactions, like it's, it's normal for me now Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. Zoe has, different movements and odd sounds and she communicates in a unique way that you you don't with 
anybody right. else that you interact with. Right. So for, for, and so I guess that's what, that's what I was kind of uh, getting mm-hmm. at with being drawn to, because right. it, I would, I would say the majority of the world shies away from right. those situations. Right. They steer clear of it. They actively either walk the other way or give a wide berth right. or whatever it may be. They, they try to remove themselves from the situation right. as much as possible. I think, I think, you know, the thing that we want to teach our kids is that inclusion, especially for us, starts at home. And the more we can teach our kids that it's just the thing to go up and say hi or to include a friend in a conversation or, um, you know, make sure they have somebody to sit with at lunch, that that's just, that's just how we do things. And the more we can, you know, teach Emma's friends about her so that they don't feel intimidated in including her and, you know, the more we'll just be building up little ambassadors and Emma advocates everywhere. If, you know, if we can just teach them by our example and by our boys example that, you know, including everybody is just how it is, then I think that's, that's a pretty great way to leave our world. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, at least my, the way, the way that I felt before Zoe and before like it became the normal for us, I was really intimidated because I didn't know how to Mm. act around them. And I was like, I didn't want to like offend anybody and I didn't want to do the wrong thing. Um, but since becoming a part of, you know, this, this world, (laughs) can you tell Mm -hmm. I watch Disney Mm -hmm. part of your world? (laughs) Um, since becoming a part of it, you know, for me now it's, I, I see the ways that I can Mm -hmm. reach out instead of me looking for ways that I can back out. Mm -hmm. Do you feel as, you know, as a mama of special needs kiddos, when, you know, another friend, one of Zoe's friends comes up and says hi and includes her and, um, you know, just kind of fawns over her. Do you, I know I feel this way. I feel so touched and so happy for Emma to receive that kind of attention. And I just think it's, you know, so dear when, when I get to see her experience that. And I think, you know, I am included in as much of that as Emma is. And it's just, it's a great feeling to know that, you know, someone thinks your child is special and wonderful and. I absolutely do. I think it's, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do. And it, it, it gives me a little bit of hope as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That just because she has this disability, that doesn't mean she can't make friends. And that doesn't mean Mm -hmm that she can't have relationships outside of her mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that is one of those, those things that I thought was Would going be to be lost. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't mm-hmm. think that, you know, initially I didn't think that she'd be able to have those relationships and those friendships and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So seeing her 
develop those and seeing other people reach out and yeah. want to be a part of her life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. want to, you know, regardless of the ways they have to adapt, they want to do that mm-hmm. so that they can get to know her that, oh my gosh, it gets my feelings. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. All the feels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, Emma has a little bestie at school who is uh, a year behind her. She's in the developmental preschool program. And so she has her own um, diagnoses, but she has just fallen in love with Emma and the feeling is mutual and she waits every day for Emma to get pushed out with her class and we walk to our cars together and she waits for me to get Emma buckled into her car seat and then she crawls up into my van and gives Emma hugs goodbye and comes over for play dates now and then and actually just recently started in Emma's same dance troupe um but this little girl just doesn't see anything that sets Emma apart. She knows Emma does things differently. And so when she comes over to play, she will bring Emma all the toys and will just shove goldfish after goldfish into Emma's mouth until Emma yells at her. But it's just knowing that these quality relationships are there is just so heartwarming. So I'm, I'm curious. Um, in the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned that some of the really big resources that you're finding, um, mm-hmm. including like the dance troupe and whatnot, were mm-hmm. on Facebook um, right. and social media. Is that mainly where you find your resources? You know, there are there are a couple local Facebook groups that I belong to for special needs parents in the area where we do throw a lot of those ideas out. Um, you know, I have a 15 year old kiddo who has these disabilities and I want to do this. Who should I call? Or I'm looking for a care provider for my daughter who has this or this, that, or the other thing. And so we do share a lot of those names, ideas, places with each other. And it is really helpful to, to think that somebody else, you know, who's going through a similar life situation can give me recommendations and places on where to look for resources. But to be honest, a lot of this digging to find these names and places and ideas, I've, I've just had to start doing on my own. Um, Cause there's just, it's a hard place to be as a special needs parent looking for resources that you don't realize exist um, you know, before the dance troupe that we found out about, I had no idea that there was adaptive sports or adaptive groups that Emma could participate in. And so it's really a, a world that you don't know is out there, but you're having to ask all the questions. And so that's why I say special needs parents really are the best resource for other families because they've done all of this research and they've asked all these questions and they've, they've gone before and, and already experienced this. And so while a lot of that information is helpful from them, I still had to do a lot of my own digging and and calling and and everything to kind of make sure that Emma got, you know, everything she needed and cared for in each way that that she needed. Uh, That's absolutely the best way to go about handling it, just 
diving in saying, I'm going to figure out whatever costs, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. needs to mm-hmm. happen. The right. community is here to be able to support you, but there's nobody who is going to advocate for your child more right. than you are. Right. Uh, you're mm-hmm. going to know more than anybody else what is needed for your child, for them to be happy, healthy, and to be able to live a fruitful life. And right. mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's one of the great things about having the community is we, we can give starting points. We yeah, may not right. be able to give specifics, but we can give starting right. points. And with those starting points, we can, we can really mm-hmm. go the distance with it. Right. Well, Megan and Drew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing a bit about your story, your experience. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. And we hope that we can uh, do this again in the future. Uh, most definitely in person. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We have loved getting to know your little family and getting to see Zoe and Sarah in person and having you all as part of Emma's village and our community is is a great, a great blessing. So we're sure grateful for you guys. Well, thank you. We feel very privileged to be a part of it. I want to say thank you once again to the cases for coming on. It was a very pleasant conversation. It was also really neat before we got, we got on well, we started recording, I guess is what I want to yeah. say. Uh, before we started recording, I was able to make some connections to areas that I've been where they, they've lived, live, grew up, all sorts of different stuff. So anyways, it was really cool to make some of those connections and it was great to chat with them about their experience. And obviously we're on, a pretty similar timeline to them. Their their diagnosis experience was a little ahead of ours, but definitely yep. around the same time frame, which is yeah. always fun to be able to 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 share with one another. Yeah, so. and it's really. I mean, it was really cool too for me because I've actually met them in person. That is true. So yeah. that's always really cool. Yeah, the majority of of people that we've been able to chat with on the podcast we have not met in person no which is okay like i mean i feel like we know a lot of like we still talk to a lot of people oh yes like we keep in contact with them oh yeah absolutely absolutely well sarah it is time for can't leave it can't leave it what can you not leave okay so i was looking through my photos the other day I was trying to start deleting photos, and so I was getting rid of all of the ones that, like, our three-year-old has taken because uh, they're yeah. mainly just, like, his forehead. Yeah. Um, and I don't need 200 of those. Yeah. So I was going through photos, getting rid of things, and I came across some videos of Zoe when she was little. Mm-hmm. In particular, you will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this, uh, the video of her butterfly shirt. When she's giggling. Oh, yes. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> um, and the one where you are singing uh, the Itsy Bitsy Spider with her. You and mm. her are sitting on the bed. And at one, she's just giggling her head off as Sam is like doing the Itsy Bitsy Spider. <laughs> and then at one point, she's giggling so hard. And then she just falls backwards. She's on a bed, right? Yeah. So, and she's sitting up. And she just falls backwards like... 
this this song just knocked her out. <laughs> um, and it's the funniest thing. And I had to watch it like five or six times because I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <gasps> oh. And still just like even thinking about it. Yeah. I just get all like, <laughs> it was, it it's was so fun. funny. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely uh, a couple of really fun videos to rewatch over and over again. And I've come across them since. Like, cause you know, you watch those sorts of videos for like a week after you take them and then, and then they fade. Yeah. And then uh, it was probably two years after that. And then I stumbled across them again. It was like, Oh <laughs> yeah, this was really funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh man. Anyway. No. Cool. So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. It's just those those huge giggle episodes that she used to get. And she, she still gets them. She still gets them now. But yeah. they're, I don't know, it's different. Well, it's different because, yeah, she's, she's older. older. She's, yeah, yeah, she's, she's not even a toddler anymore. She's, I know. She's a, she's a kid. Oh my gosh. With no O at the end. She's a kid. Yeah. That's crazy. Kindergartner. Oh, that's crazy. Anyways. How can she be that old? Well. Don't. Don't. Time. Rhetorical. Don't answer that. What's your can't leave it? What's your can't leave it? Around the... Sam? Sun. Sam, what's your can't leave it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, my can't leave it is actually in reference to what we talked about at the beginning of the episode, Ah. which was... The Mardi Gras fundraiser event mm-hmm. with Rocky Mountain Red Association, yep. which I was asked to do the online stream portion of that event. Yes. And so I had to go get some stuff to be able to effectively do that. Yes. Well, now I have a lot of stuff. Yes. I am, <laughs> I am quite aware of that. I'm looking at some of it right now. Not all of it. Uh-uh. Which is... Actually, Terrifying. Yeah. Anyways... Uh, I got some really cool toys. Yes, you did. Really fun toys to play with. So, for example, uh, I mean, obviously, one of the basics is you got to have cameras. Yeah. If you're going to stream an event, you probably want to be able to see it. That would be good. Actually, do you know what? That gives me an idea. Just an audio stream. What fun stuff could you do with that? Anyways, that's a conversation for another another day, another time. Not right now. But I uh, got a few cameras, which are really basic. Sarah's giving me this weird look. We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> Not now. Anyway, so uh, cameras, uh, tripod, you know, boring stuff like that. Tons of cables. Lots of cables. More cables. I was going to say more than, than you need or used. No. No, Exactly. But, you know, you got to have cables all the time. And then uh, my favorite toys, one of them is a, uh, a wireless HDMI transmitter. This is really cool. So you, you plug in to the camera this box that looks like, like it's an external battery pack. Uh-huh. And then you connect it with another box which then connects up to your computer and system and all that stuff for the stream. And it transmits it. It, it And it will do it up to, I think it does it up to 4K. Really high resolution. And it works out really, really good too. Woohoo! Yeah, it was super surprising. Uh, at, at 
how well it worked out. So, but I mean, if it's gone to production, you would hope that something like that would <laughs> be would pretty hope. good. So anyways, but it did work out really well. And then the other one that I was super excited about was uh, the video switcher. Yes. That one was a lot of fun too. And it's just this small little dinky thing that has four HDMI inputs. So I could put in three cameras and then I could also put in a, a computer for media stuff and whatnot, which it was, just, it was really fun. Really fun. So anyways, I'm really hoping to be able to use it again, the setup again here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, whether that's for, you know, hey, maybe we look at doing something for the podcast, Sarah. Do you remember um, at the beginning where I said I don't dress up? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, we're just going to do sweatshirts and sweats? And yes. Oh, okay. Okay, then I'm for this. I'm not asking. I will be for this up. then. <laughs> I didn't know how, like, professional, camera-ready, la-la-dee-da that we needed to be. Not at all. Okay, good. That is not who we are. So. Then I, Okay, then I am, I'm on board. Anyways, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it and we'll see what we can do about it. I think it'd be fun. But regardless, in the end, I've got some really fun techie toys and I've got to figure out effective, fun ways to uh, be able to use them. Yes. So that's uh, a new hobby that I now have. Woohoo! Hobbies. Yep. yep. Yay for hobbies. And with that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so that you're notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning. And please leave us a rating. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you can become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod, where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on our show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts, or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit rettsyndrome.org.